Hello, and welcome to the introduction of Dave Talk Some More. Today we've lined up a great introduction to the show. It's on right now, in fact. Hope you're enjoying it. Well, if you like this introduction, why not go ahead and listen to the show itself? It starts in just a few seconds now. All right, Far Out. Uh, welcome again uh, back to the show. Uh, today's going to be uh, our curiously tardy Thanksgiving spectacular extravaganza. Uh, curiously tardy because we're recording this on December 3, which is like a week and a half after Thanksgiving. But that's what makes it so good because most of the food that you cook at Thanksgiving is just a little bit better if you let it sit in the refrigerator and uh, do whatever chemical reactions it does. Uh, uh, I don't know, about 10 days, but uh, a couple of days, a little better, a little tastier. Uh, had some people lined up um for actually a pre-Thanksgiving day show. Um, funny how things drop out. So uh, you're just riding along with uh, me. And uh, so got a lot to talk about. Uh, maybe some of it will even be interesting. We'll, uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. Uh, let's see. Start with um, my uh, pre-Thanksgiving day story, which I'm not sure that I can relate very well but uh you know every day every year when uh, i'm driving around uh on the day before thanksgiving uh, i always think about what was for me the most interesting and most meaningful um thanksgiving day experience that i ever had and it wasn't food it wasn't turkey and dressing and uh i'm sorry to say it wasn't really family um it's it's for me a really hard story to tell not because it's emotional but because uh it's a little bit complicated i'm not sure that i recall everything that happens even though i swear every year uh on the wednesday the day before thanksgiving I always think about this story and this thing that happened and uh so you know i thought i would just start off with that since this is our uh, curiously tardy thanksgiving spectacular extravaganza i tell a thanksgiving story pre-thanksgiving story and it takes place in houston texas where i lived for uh a very few years uh i well not very few actually several years um but i had a law practice there just by myself and man it, that law practice existed for about 10 seconds uh, and that that's a separate story as as to uh, that practice. But uh, I was living with my wife at the time, not Bonnie, um, and two really, really young kids. And we had decided that we were going to be normal. Uh, you know, we were actually going to celebrate, even though it was just going to be the four of us and the kids were way too young to know anything about Thanksgiving or turkey or any of that. Uh, we were going to do it right. You know, we were going to start a family tradition. We were going to do, you know, the turkey and dressing and, the, you know, the dining room table all nice and, uh, you know, just the whole bit. And so the, you know, one of the things you have to do, believe it or not, is get a turkey if you're going to have a traditional Thanksgiving Day uh, uh, meal. And we uh, went to the uh, H-E-B, which in Texas, that's the grocery store. That's, that's The Kroger's of Texas is H-E-B. And we go on, uh, I guess it was the Sunday before Thanksgiving, uh, or the Saturday before Thanksgiving, and they have no turkeys. And we go to another H-E-B, uh, and they have no turkeys. And when I say we went to two H-E-Bs, understand that in Houston, Texas, that's an undertaking. That is a really brutal time investment because it takes 25 minutes to get from your house to the first HEB. And if you're going to fight the traffic to go to the second HEB, that means you want it. You want it pretty bad. So we get to the second HEB. There is no Thanksgiving Day turkey uh, to be had whatsoever. And uh, what they did have, <laughs> somebody was smart enough to figure out 
we are going to run out of Thanksgiving turkeys. And so what we'll get is a bunch of frozen Cornish hens. So if you would like your Thanksgiving tradition to be uh, frozen Cornish hens, have we got a deal for you. And uh, my uh, wife at the time was not interested in establishing uh, our own peculiar Thanksgiving tradition. So my task for the rest of the short week was to procure a uh, Thanksgiving Day turkey. So just keep that in the background. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to get a turkey. Uh, so it in on Monday haven't got one. Tuesday have not got one. Can't remember if I even tried. Uh, Wednesday, I you know I already planted the seed of this. Uh, you know the turkey thing may not happen. We might get the Cornish hen, and wouldn't be a bad idea if we went ahead and bought one just to have the fall back in place because. I'm not sure what plan C is going to be. Um, so Wednesday morning, uh, I'm in my uh, little, sad little law office. Um, it had been open for about nine of the ten seconds. And I got a call from Dallas. And this is pre, you know, it's not pre-cell phone days, but, you know, the, definitely this was in the time period when you had dedicated landlines. And most people had... Uh, an office line, a home line, you might have a cell phone. You probably did have a cell phone, but uh, you also had a landline. So I didn't know that this was going to be a call from Dallas, and it was. And the call from Dallas was from a father uh, of a client, and he was calling because his kid was in trouble. And really, this is this is what the story's about, not so much the turkey and the Cornish hen. Um and the reason that his son was in, well, I have to tell you about the son. The, the son was a tech IT computer guy who worked for the state of Texas. And uh, he had gotten, a, a few weeks earlier, he had gotten a DUI, and um, the father had hired me because having gotten a DUI, the wife decided that she was just about done with uh, the guy's drinking issues, and she was getting a divorce. So I'm getting a twofer, DUI and a, uh, a divorce. And the guy has, uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of money, and so he's done the smart thing that I see all the time. You know, he calls his parents in, and he needs them to help him out uh, with the attorney's fees and the divorce and uh, all that jazz. And he's, he's proud. He, uh, does not have a place of his own. He is couch surfing with a buddy. And so this is, this is a few weeks before Thanksgiving. He's come to my office. Uh, he tells me his tale of woe. Um, his father has sent him, uh, the money for a retainer. And, uh, so I go ahead and sign him up for, uh, a DUI and, you know, and then he starts telling me about the divorce and about the drinking. In Texas, you don't have to prove fault grounds for divorce the way you do here in Mississippi. So if you want a divorce, you're getting a divorce in Texas and just about every other state in the union, frankly. Uh, but it's going to be an issue if we're talking about custody and uh, if it's um, – you know, it's, it's just a beauty contest in a divorce a lot of times. So how bad are the facts going to be? And you just love it when uh, somebody who comes in and the story's going to be about drinking, you ask them about their drinking. And, you know, he's, he says, uh, you know, I really don't drink that bad. I really don't have a problem. She's just making a big deal out of nothing. And you ask the golden question, which is, well, how much do you drink? Uh, not that much. Well, how much do you drink? Um, well, about a six-pack. Okay, well, about a six-pack over what period of time? Well, pretty much every night. And, you know, I'm not really a drinker at all, and so to me that seems like an awful lot. And I said, well, a six-pack a night, or okay, how many nights a week is six? Is a six-pack a night? Are we talking about three, four? Well, yeah, probably six. Uh, but on Saturdays, uh, or Sunday, you know, on the weekend, I like to watch football sports. And so probably a couple of six packs and how does that affect you? 
Um, well, I either get uh, really, really sleepy or I get really, really angry. And so now I'm, you know, I'm just jumping ahead to, I really don't need for you to fill in the blanks. I, I understand where this is going to go. So um, anyway, I, uh, I almost make the tactical mistake of, well, I'm just going to run this through. And I'm talking, I'm still talking about a few weeks before Thanksgiving. I'm just going to run this through. Uh, I used to be a uh, DUI prosecutor in Texas for a few years. So, you know, at least in Texas, I know how to run a DUI case. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, maybe there is a way to get the guy out of it. Um, I want to make sure that it's a first offense. And th- this background's irrelevant, even though I'm just telling you about some rando case from, gosh, 25 years ago, probably. Uh, so, you know, all I need to do is go and uh, talk to the prosecutor, see what they've got, uh, look at the police report, look at the police video. Uh, the guy can't remember if he blew, blew into the breathalyzer. He did. He was way over the limit. Um, and and uh, was there a video? Well, yes, there was, because in Houston they, they've been doing that for years. And the guy barely can get out of the car, and he's falling down and, and you know, leaning against the car just long enough so that he can take the uh, – I mean, it's just – I mean, it's just uh, – there's nothing that I can do to help this guy not get convicted of uh, first offense DUI. That's going to happen. Uh, good news is he's already spent the night in jail, and uh, he has some money uh, from his father, so – you know, I'm going to be able to plead them out. And, um, you know, you, know you, you cut the deal pretty fast, and the divorce is going to go the same way. So I'm just, for him, he understands the drill. He understands he's made a mistake. He's not really expecting to get out. He just doesn't want to get in trouble. But his big problem is uh, he's an IT guy with the state of Texas, which means he has a security clearance. And they're not, people that hand out security clearances are not real keen on people having drinking problems. So this is going to be a problem for him. And is there a way to keep it off his record? The answer is no. Uh, but we might be able to, you know, play some games, uh, you know, so that it's not as bad as just a full-blown DUI conviction. All right, so that's the background on this guy. Uh, and that's the background on getting the call on Wednesday morning, the day of uh, the day before Thanksgiving, when I need to get a turkey or, God forbid, a frozen Cornish hen. So the uh, the father calls and he says his son's in trouble. Well, tell me, all right. Well, what kind of trouble is is he in? Uh, well, he's calling me from jail, Harris County Jail, Harris County, Houston. Uh, he's called me from Harris County Jail, um, and he got arrested for DUI. I said, he got arrested for a second DUI, and we're talking uh, two, three weeks after the first one. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, you know, that's going to be a problem. And so, you know, and, you know, I have to be mercenary enough to say, you know, you're talking about a fee, but he said, well, can you, can you get him out? of jail it's the day before thanksgiving and i said well that depends on when he got arrested because you know when you go in um definitely for dui but for any kind of substance abuse they've got a minimum 12-hour hold because they're not going to let somebody who's still under whatever influence out so depending on and, and dad doesn't know when he got arrested so you know depending on when he got arrested is going to tell me whether I can get him out. Also, it's the day before Thanksgiving, and, I mean, you know how it goes. People start shutting down. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, if they're even doing arraignments or if they're holding people until the Friday after Thanksgiving. They have to do arraignments within 72 hours. So, you know, they may just be holding your son until Friday, and there's nothing I can do about it. But, you know, let me see what I can do. Uh, let me make some phone calls. And, uh, well, it turns out he had been arrested the night before. And so by you know, by the time that I can get over there and do anything, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be eligible for release if he's not messed up on drugs or something like that. 
And so now I've got to go uh, to uh, the bail bondsman. And, you know, here's the big problem, which is, you know, bail's not cheap. And I don't know if, you know, they're holding him on a second offense, which is a much bigger deal than a first offense DUI, even though he hadn't been convicted. They're playing a little game. And they've got him in on a second offense DUI, which means the bail is significant. And, uh, you know, bail bondsmen, you know, would traditionally charge 10% of whatever your bail is. So if you have $50,000 bail, then you are handing $5,000 to a bail bondsman for their fee for writing the bond. You never get that $5,000 back. Um, and you, and you give it to, you know, they don't do payment plans. You have to give them the, and they don't take checks. Uh, you're going to hand them 5,000 in cash or a cashier's check and uh, otherwise, you're not you're not getting out of jail. So, uh, and I and I have explained. You know, I called the dad back, and I've explained all of this to him. And you know, again, this is uh, 25 years ago. There's no cash app. There's no way for him to get the money over to me. Maybe could have wired money into my trust account, but you know, I didn't know how to do that. I just opened up the practice, right? So uh, the only thing that we know to do is for him to Western Union me the money and, you know, then I'm going to take it. And this is stuff that a defense lawyer usually does not fool around with. Getting you out of jail is not the problem uh, of the lawyer. That's, that's for the family and friends and whatever to do. But uh, dad's got money. I've got a starting practice. If he wants to pay me my hourly rate to go the extra mile, I'm down. So you know, now I've got to, now I've got to go to uh, you know some place that has a Western Union uh, facility, and who would it be but an HEB? Um, and you know the the worst scenario comes up. I go to the HEB. I go to the the little the office where they do uh, you know money orders and wire transfers and stuff like that. And um, the wire has not come in yet, so of course I'm going over to uh, the frozen foods, and they've got a they have a turkey. Uh, it's a little baby, sorriest little. I mean, I feel bad for this turkey. This is probably a child turkey that was sacrificed for a ridiculous tradition just so that they can make a few more bucks this year. It's not even a full-grown, mature turkey. I feel terrible. You know, I, I should have gotten the frozen Cornish hen. Um, but anyway, I get the turkey. Um, get the frozen turkey, so that's a good thing. No Cornish hen. And, uh, and you know, there's no way to get the frozen turkey to the house because I, I just can't tell you how much this story depends on an understanding of how bad Houston traffic is. I mean, it, it is just, it's 30 minutes to, to your uh, mailbox. I mean, it, it's just murder to get anywhere in Houston. Uh, so anyway, I've got a, uh, <laughs> I've got a frozen turkey that is uh, slowly thawing in my trunk. Um, of course, it's Houston, so Houston in November is, you know, it's 80 degrees. Uh, you know, so it's, it's warm. And uh, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And, uh, you know, I, I call it, it was supposed to go through, it was supposed to go through. Well, finally it goes through. So I've got the money to go to the bail bondsman. And, uh, of course, you know, now the bail bondsman is surly because they don't, they don't want uh, to really be fooling around with this. Um, I've, I've got uh, the cash, and, uh, you know, they don't want to be fooling around with it. They want to go home. Uh, even though it's a holiday night, you would think that this would be a big night for them. You'd think they'd be pulling an all-nighter, like this is the best thing in the world. But uh, this guy bailed the bail bondsman that this guy had gotten on his first. They just, they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to work. And, uh, so there's a lot of paperwork that's involved and here's and you know, then I run against the other problem, which is this, this was, I was like, I'd been a prosecutor for years and I'd not done defense law and I didn't really know the ins and outs of bail bondsmen. 
And the problem is, it's great that you have the money, but you've got to sign the bond. Like you, the person bailing somebody out, are promising that um, if the guy doesn't show up, uh, like me, me, uh, I'm on the hook for $50,000 to pay to the court if this guy decides to pull a runner. And you know, I'm not really interested in signing that. Like I want, I want to get paid. I want the case, but I don't want to, I don't personally want to be signing $50,000 bonds and I'm just not willing to do it. So I call the dad up and, um, you know, what can we do and can we fax it? And, you know, no, we don't accept fax signatures and, you know, it's just the whole thing. And the bondsman is calling the owner of the bail bond service and, and what can we do? And understand, it's, you know, we're Wednesday afternoon now. The clock's ticking, and I'm getting these uh, messages from my uh, uh, wife at the time. You know, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? Hey, I got the turkey. That'll buy me some time because I did get a turkey. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? Well, I'm trying to do something. So, um, anyway, we're not we're not going to be able to make bail happen. Um, so, you know, now the only alternative is to actually put up $50,000 in cash, which you can do. You can put up, uh, you can actually post the, the entire $50,000 in cash money if that's what you want to do. But, you know, you're not going to be able to do that to Western Union. I can't, I can't walk back or drive back over to HEB, and this guy's going to be able to wire transfer uh, $50,000. It's not like HEB's got 50000 bucks sitting in the safe you know, just so that they can hand me. Um, so we're talking to them, you know, trying to figure all this out, clock's ticking, clock's ticking. And, um, you know, finally the owner says, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, um, I will, I will accept a fax signature, but you're going to have to pay a double fee, which means, even you know, it, you're going to have to pay uh, $10,000 instead of $5,000 and I'll accept a fax signature. So, you know, fight the traffic, go back to H-E-B. Turkey's getting a little more salmonella on it, I'm sure. Um, go back to the bail bondsman. You know, it's now mid-afternoon. And uh, so, you know, the bail bondsman is going to call it in, but you know, I don't know how this works, but there's paperwork, paperwork. And the dad had asked me, um, would you um, – you know, would, would you pick up my son and take him over to his friend's house that he's crashed at? So, I'm sure, why not? You know, in for a penny and for a pound, right? So, I, um, the bondsman's doing his thing, whatever that means. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I just know that at, at some point they're going to let this guy out of Harris County Jail. So, I go over to... This is my. This is not the day that I had planned for myself, believe me. So I go over to the Harris County Jail um, loading dock, for want of a better word, and it's the place that you go um, to while you're waiting for you know your husband, your loved one, whoever, to be released from jail where you can get them out. And let me tell you what. Um, one that is that is a sad, sad place to be because there's you know not a whole lot of rich people are hanging out at the uh, loading dock outside of the jail, you know, just some really beat down, sad looking people that are having to deal with. Um, I mean, forget about the crime, forget about the jail, just the money that that uh, that they don't have to deal with the situation, and you know they bring their kids. And it's just a lot of people just sitting around smoking cigarettes and waiting for somebody to get out. And then somebody gets out and as often, and I'm just sitting there and, you know, as often as not, somebody gets out of jail and it's not like one of these scenes that you see, like, like, you know, the, the thing where somebody's been on deployment uh, to Afghanistan or something, and then they get out, and then they surprise their family at the football game or at the kids' classroom, and they run and jump into each other's arms. This is like the opposite of that. 
This is like, I didn't want to come pick you up. Um, I can't believe you messed up again. And you just, it, as soon as somebody walked out, it was, what's wrong with you? How, you know, the, the arguments would start immediately. <laughs> so, I, yeah, happy holidays for you, sir. That's, uh, you're going to have a good time. And so anyway, so there I am. Uh, I'm sitting around. Finally, this guy gets out. And, uh, man, he looked, he looked rough. He looked ragged. And so it's late afternoon. Um, he's out. Uh, I call his dad. You know, dad talks to his son for a minute. Glad you got out. Um, and, and I forgot this part. This, this, this was one of the things that really, uh, really affected me was the whole time that I, I, I should have said this earlier, the whole time that I was in the bail bondsman's office, um, you know, and I'm talking to the dad on and off while my phone's dying and he's asking me, do you think I should be doing this? Well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, I'm already at my daughter's house. My wife and I are at my daughter's house and my daughter and my wife are saying that we should just, uh, we should just leave him in. He's clearly got a drinking problem. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, he needs to hit rock bottom. He needs to learn his lesson, whatever. Um, you know, and I, and I'm really torn on whether, whether I should even be doing this. And, you know, of course, when I call the guy back and tell him, you know, we can get him out, but it's going to be another $5,000. You know, he's, you know, I'm really having the conversation with, yeah, I just don't know if I, you know, la da 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 da. And, um, you know, he asked me what I think is if I have any insight, which I don't. And uh, I said, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, don't, you're, I said, uh, your wife and your daughter are probably right. Probably you should let him hit whatever rock bottom is. Probably you should just let him stay in jail, um, whatever. Um, and I said, but I, I have to say, if it was me, and if it was my kid, uh, I really don't know that I would have it in me to leave my son in jail uh, over Thanksgiving. I just I don't know that I could do it any other time of the year. I, you know, I understand tough love, but I just don't know if I could do that over Thanksgiving. He said that that's exactly where I'm at. So uh, he gets on the phone with his dad uh, on my phone. And, uh, you know, his dad's just really loving on him. And, you know, that was kind of a good feeling. And so, uh, you know, we've, you know, we've got to, um, you know, take him, I've got to take him over to where his friend's place is, which is where he's crashed. So, uh, we get a hold of his friend and there's a whole deal about how can we find his friend's number. (laughs) It's not exactly saved on my phone. Um, but anyway, uh, we, um, he, he talks to the friend and then the friend and, and we're on the way to the friend's house and the friend's like, uh, Hey man, you know, my wife just isn't cool with any of this. It's the holidays. And, you know, she just, you know, she wasn't really down with you being over here in the first place. And now with the second offense, um, you know, I, I just, I, I can't hook you up. So. You know, we go and find, you know, you know, now, yet again, I'm calling the, the dad, and what do you want to do? And, um, you know, he said, and they're, uh, they're in Florida. And so he says, well, um, you know, if you take, you know, if we can uh, take him to the airport. And I said, how are, how are you going to pay for it? And he's like, yeah, that, that is a problem. And. You know, again, Houston traffic, all, all of this is just taking forever. Um, any, anyway, long, a long story still long is we decided to, uh, take him to a bus station and, you know, he was just, he was just going to take the bus to, uh, Tampa or wherever it was in Florida. I don't remember. Now that's immediately violating the condition of the bond because you can't leave the state when you're on bond. But um, yeah, 
That's that's the decision that he wants to make. So um, anyway, I'm I'm taking this guy over uh, to the bus station, and he's he starts. Yeah, you know, he's just God. I've never seen somebody who was as defeated as he was. He's you know he's been where he didn't want to be. He's going where he doesn't want to go. Um, he's definitely lost his job, not officially yet, but when the news of the second offense hits, um, I mean, he's definitely going to be dead. You know, they're, they're surely going to fire him. And, and I'm not going to be able to pull any rabbits out of the hat because I'm pretty sure that the, that the arrest video and everything is going to be as, as bad or worse as, as what I've already seen. So you know, he's just dead on the job. And, uh, you know, the, the wife doesn't want him. He's lost his friend. He has no place to go. Um, you know, and he understands his sister and his mom aren't really with him. And, you know, I tell him I'm surprised, a little bit surprised about that, you know, that being the holidays and all that. And I'm stupidly or young enough to be trying to buck him up and, you know, make him feel good about all, you know, but, hey, it's the holidays and it's a new beginning and, know all that kind of uh you know happy whatever and um you know he he tells he tells me this story and you know the story is what really stick and this isn't my story this is his story but you know again to make a long story you know still long um he tells me that when he was younger like eight years old like it it's just him and his sister now but it used to be uh, his older sister and then him and his younger brother. And, uh, you know, how can I put it? He, uh, he found his dad's gun and was playing around with it, shot his brother and killed him. His brother was two years younger than him. And, um, you know, <laughs> what am I supposed to say? I don't have any happy thoughts for that. And um, I don't know if that... Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, but he said his father always felt terrible guilt for leaving the gun out. And, um, you know, nobody ever confronted him about murdering his brother, which it wasn't murder. Um, but he said, um, you know, I, I had a weird, really weird uh, family dynamic for the rest of my life because I, I could just feel that my sister and my mom hated me and my my father kind of hated me and and pitied me and pitied himself and he says just it it just absolutely destroyed the family which I can very much imagine so anyway it's it's nighttime I've taken so many calls from my wife uh, at the time and she's sure that I'm having an affair or whatever, and because this story is just too far out um, to tell her. I've got um, a a rotting turkey uh, in my trunk, and um, you know now I'm taking him over to the Houston bus station. Um, and if it was cinematic, it would have been raining and foggy and wasn't. It was just it was just Texas hot, even though it was the end of November. And I take him over there, and there's there is no money to buy him a bus tickets. But you know, I I'm just gonna you know go to an ATM, and you know, I'm just gonna front him the money. And so I buy the guy to, a bus ticket to Tampa or whatever, and that's where I leave him. Um, he has no money. He has nothing other than whatever the personal effects were that they gave him when he got out of jail and he's going to his sister's place if they're even going to have anything to do with them and he's got all of that on his mind and uh, you know so I go home and tell my wife the story um, and you know the the turkey is just so sweaty and it's gotten kind of nasty so we went we wound up eating oscar meyer oscar meyer turkey cold cuts there that's the uh that's the traditional thanksgiving um that that we had that we enjoyed for our first family i don't know what to do with that story there's no happy ending there's no moral there's no 
you know, this is where I'm supposed to say, and that's how I learned gratitude. Um, I, I, I can't go anywhere else with that story. I can just tell you that's the thing that happened. Um, and I always think about that. Um, yeah, I, I always think about that, uh, every day before Thanksgiving and I don't know what it means, but it has a lot of meaning to me of, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even going to sit here and try to figure out something, uh, uh, you know, some good coming out of it. It's just, just sad story. So there you go. That's, that's the opening of our, um, curiously tardy, uh, Thanksgiving extravaganza. <laughs> I don't know really, really where to go from there. Um, and that story took way longer than, uh, than I thought it was going to take to tell. Um, and, and I've got so many more things that I want to talk about, uh, about what has been going on for Thanksgiving. It turns out I'm going to have to save a lot of this for the next, uh, um, oppressively tedious, uh, podcast. Um, I, I will, uh, but, but let's, let's just go for, um, for a little while longer and see where it takes us. Um, so that's, that was what was on my mind on Wednesday and Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great one. Um, I hope you hadn't, uh, forgotten it all in your turkey coma. Um, I had my son come over, uh, watched a lot of football, had friends, uh, come over. It was great. Um, what I really want to talk about is, uh, what came on after that, which was on Friday. Um, you know, obviously the day after Thanksgiving, um, got to do some shopping and God, how I remember how going shopping on the day after Thanksgiving used to be such a big deal. It was, it was an ordeal. If you're from, uh, this area, then you, then you know in your bones what it felt like to get in the car and do the slowest crawl ever down County Line Road to go to the mall uh, and do your and, and get your Black Friday specials. So I tried to do that, but it turns out that uh, you really don't have to fight anybody because the crowds aren't going out because it's all like electronic. It was sad uh, to me in a way because I, I, I love a little bit of nostalgia and there was none to be had. Um, that, that, that's not the thing I wanted to talk about. What, what happened after that? And, and I've had probably the most, one of the most interesting weeks that, uh, of the year for me. Um, I wound up spending this past week. I just got back very late last night from Austin, Texas, um, where I spent the week with a, um, what would I call it? A oil a uh, painter, a portrait, a, a renowned portrait artist, uh, landscape artist, uh, just having a one-on-one week doing uh, oil painting. Um, and I don't say that to say that I'm any good or any better at painting, but holy smokes, uh, did I learn a lot. Um, and, and, um, Maybe, and I want to talk about that. Um, even if you don't care anything about art, um, it is it is just the subject of it. I think is so interesting, and that and that's without me telling you anything about painting. I, I do get, I guess, have something like a life lesson out of that, which is, um, you know, I think I've said uh, uh, on uh, on the on the previous, uh, episode, episode, I have episodes now, um, that I'm a, I'm a uh, divorce lawyer. That's what, that's what I've been doing for a living for a very long time. And, uh, just to tell you another story, not nearly so tiresome. Um, I had a case, uh, back in 2018, maybe five years ago. That was one of the most difficult, one of the most stressful um, things that I have gone through. It got to the it 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 was a document intensive case to the point where we set aside a spare office that became like let's call it the Jones file. Um, 
just to pick a name, you know, we had the Jones Divorce Reading Library um, where we just had um, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of three-ring bi- three ring binders of documents and banker's boxes of records. And working on the Jones divorce was just all-consuming. Even when I wasn't at the office, I was consumed with the Jones divorce and what's the other side going to do and what's my counter to that. And, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was a tremendous learning experience. It was uh, one of the hardest things that I've done. But it is where I came face to face with um, crippling uh, anxiety, and, and I mean crippling anxiety. Like uh, I, I just I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and, and literally leap out of bed, and and just start pacing around and, and uh, pulling at my hair. And I can't do this. There's so much to be done, and you know I was just uh, I was just out of my mind. Uh, with this case, so I hope I've described anxiety. If, if you if you know the feeling of if you know the feeling of you wake up in the morning and there's just a second or two where the thing that uh, obsesses you isn't on your mind, and you just have a moment or two when you're just waking up and you're just a person, and then. Boom, it drops on top of you. Um, and and you're like, oh, God, I had a second or two where it wasn't on me. And then doesn't matter what you're doing. You can be watching TV. You can be eating. You can be going out with friends. You can be at the movies. Uh, you can't turn it off. You can't shut it off. Um, and if you have anxiety, uh, I'm positive that this is going to be a very familiar um, description to you. So... You know, naturally, I did the healthiest, uh, most constructive thing that you can do, which is uh, I went to the my doctor's office because I wanted to take pills to deal with the crippling anxiety. Um, I mean, what else would you do? And uh, to his credit, the um, the doctor said that that's absolutely not what we're going to do. He said, I have seen so many people at your age and stage of your career uh, who are overwhelmed with anxiety. What you have is nothing new. And and my prescription for you is you're going to have to figure it out. Um, you know, and, and I'm not your life coach. I'm not going to tell you how to figure it out. It might be changing up your diet. It might be getting more exercise probably is those two things probably is finding a hobby. Uh, I don't know what it needs to be, but if you know what the problem that you're having is common and looking for a chemical solution to that problem is only going to double the severity of the problem. You, you will make it, you can find a doctor who will give you chemicals. Um, and you're going to find that it makes your life so much worse and you will, you will be sorry that you did that. And it was just, uh, he was right. And I, and I knew at the time he was telling me this, this guy's dead on. He's right. Best advice in the world. So I talked to current wife, Bonnie, um, about it. And, uh, you know, so I don't know if I was going to change my diet or start exercising. God forbid that I do anything disgusting like that. Um, you know, that that just wasn't a practical solution. Uh, but the idea of a hobby sounded good. And I'd always been interested in art. And I'd always been uh, interested in the idea of painting because um, I am, I can confess to being a low-key snob. And I've always liked art. And when I looked at local art, um, boy, this is going to, this is going to sound bad, but I wasn't impressed. I, I did not see anything that I thought, well, I saw a lot of things that I knew that I could not do. I saw a lot of things that I knew I could not do, but also saw a lot of stuff in galleries, um, or at, uh, art shows or at silent auctions or whatever 
that I thought, you've got to be kidding me. There, there's no way that I cannot pick up a paintbrush, you know, as a show enough beginner and not be able to do that. I just, I don't believe that I can't do that. So we no longer have uh, any good art store in the Jackson Metro that I know of. We did have one that was downtown, but they closed. Um, it, w- it was across the street from Cowboy, where that Cowboy Maloney's is, and they've, they've shut down, I'm sorry to say. Um, now, if you want to do retail, in-person art supplies in the metro area, you, you know, you're going to Hobby Lobby, you're going to Michael's or something like that, which is, you know, they're nice for what they're good for, but, um, you know, if you're doing serious art, um, that's that might not be your first stop, I don't know. Uh, but that was my first stop because that was, that was, you know, I figured, okay, well, I know I need uh, a paintbrush. I know I need paint. I know I need canvas. Um, probably need a, a, a palette to put the paint on. To, you, know, I don't, you know, I don't think I can paint straight out of the tube, although maybe you can. I mean, I didn't know. Um, and so... It's just so pathetic. So I uh, I bought the uh, the beginner paint set that had like thirty two tubes of uh, whatever acrylic paint, and had a few you know really cheap uh, paint brushes, and uh, bought a couple of small canvases. And what my plan was, we've got pretty good number of paintings, um, uh, in the house. So anybody who's a burglar. You know, here, here's a target for you. Um, and so I thought, well, I, I had one in mind that was a very simple, straightforward composition. So I thought my first piece of art is I'm just going to set that up. I'm going to put it far enough away where I'm very careful that I don't get any paint on it. Because if I, if I mess up that art, my wife is not going to be happy. I'm not going to be happy. And so I'm just going to do a reproduction of that. And, th- and this is going to be my hobby. And then I'll, then I'll get good at it. How hard can it be? And then I'll start selling art at these little, you know, outdoor fairs that they have. And I'll make a little money. And I told one of my friends, um, you know, you know, you know, we meet every week and have lunch. And he's like, what's new? And I said, well, I've decided I'm going to be a famous local artist. And he thought I was joking. I was like, no, I'm, I'm absolutely going to do it. And his wife paints. Um, his, his wife, that, that is her hobby, is uh, acrylic painting. And he, he just thought that was the funniest thing. And so I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm seriously going to do it. So I take my, uh, my painting set home. I put the, uh, the legit painting at a safe de- distance. And then I really don't know what to do. So, you know, I've got the brush. And so what it is is a very simple landscape with a easy-looking grassy foreground and a couple of trees and a nearly perfectly blue sky. And, you know, I'm just going to squeeze out some colors. And, you know, and the, the, the grass is green. Okay, I know what green looks like, so I'm going to squeeze out some green. The tree trunk is brown. I'm going to squeeze out some brown. The leaves are dark green, and some of them are light green, and I can see some white highlights. Okay, so I'm going to squeeze out that color. Um, the sky is blue, so all right, I can find a Carolina blue. There's lots of acrylic paints in the paint set. And so I, you know, I squirt it all out on the palette, and uh, I get the paintbrush out, and I execute uh, the worst childish reproduction uh, you can ever imagine. I, I, I just could not believe. Uh, well, actually, I could believe how bad it was. Uh, what I couldn't believe was, holy cow, this, this painting thing is a whole lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, bought another canvas did the same thing again, got the same result. But by the time that I was working on the third one and there was just no way to fix it, there was, there was no way to get something that looked like 
um, you know, this totally simple painting that this other person, that, yeah, and I did not know anything about, I knew what a color wheel was, but I didn't know anything about color theory, color matching, um, you know, none of that. You know, I was just, you know, I see green, paint green, I see blue, paint blue. And, you know, it was just absolutely brutal. So that's kind of the start of uh, where I got into painting. I'm, um, I, I've got so much more to uh, talk about on the subject of painting and on art and uh, on going to Austin that I probably need to, to cut it off about here. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm going to go, uh, go into that a little bit. I, I, I don't know how long it, it would take to describe everything that happened in Austin and all the cool things to talk about. If you have absolutely no interest in art, don't worry about it. This, I promise I can make this interesting. Um, a, a lot about tech. If you have no interest in tech, don't worry about it. Uh, I, I can discuss things that, that will be interesting about art and about tech. And I'm not going to, I promise I won't be a life coach and try to teach you life lessons, but there's a whole lot of interesting, cool things out there that I want to talk about. So, um, that's, uh, that is the surprisingly, uh, tardy and, uh, uh, and maybe the worst Thanksgiving extravaganza, uh, ever recorded, but it's mine. And, uh, next year I promise that, uh, I will be, uh, I'll, I'll try to be equally late, uh, every year and that'll be my new Thanksgiving tradition. Uh, I appreciate, uh, you tuning in, appreciate you listening and God, if you stayed up to this late, you're my new hero. Thanks again.